When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Frank Isola, Harry Lyles Jr., Emily Kaplan, George Sedano, College. Say it with yeah. me. How do you guys want to start? Ah. How should we start week one? With the mutes on behalf of all your colleagues that said Ohio State was going to put up 55? Should we start with that? Maybe? Let's go around the horn. All right, that's kind of unfair. None of you guys said None of you guys said that. Well, actually, Frank did say that. Okay, Frank, thank you for reminding me. I would not be hyping up Ohio State. We start with the chance. People that want to come play in this offense. And I think when you watch what they did today, if you're watching from home, you're saying, man, I'd love to play in that offense. A, B, C. Always be Cruton. Georgia, the national champs, the defending champs, they lost basically their entire defense, right, to the NFL. Still playing great D, but it wasn't even the D that was the headline from week one. It was the offense hammering like they did. Beat Oregon 49-3, and that is the spotlight we use to start after week one of the college football season. The champs jumping up to number two ahead of Ohio State. So, is Georgia's Start what you want to start with here. Could it be the way Notre Dame, Ohio State played out? Or Anthony Richardson in the revolution for Florida? Or Florida State beating LSU in Brian Kelly's new family? Harry Lyles Jr. <laughs> you can start anywhere in the world. Go ahead. I'm going to start with the defending national champions. I'm going to start with Georgia. I think one thing that everybody wanted to see out of them this year is how do they look? How do they rebound? Not just because they are the defending champions, but because they had one of the best defenses we've ever seen in college football history lose a bunch of guys to the NFL. So they come out and they still look amazing, right? Like they reloaded in the way that Alabama is reloaded. I think we could put Georgia in that same class. But more importantly, I think the question was, could the offense meet them where they stepped back? And I think the answer to that question was absolutely yes. They looked great. There's no lack of weapons skill-wise on that offense. Stetson Bennett looked great. They had seven touchdowns on their first seven drives. Georgia just does not do that even in some of their better years. So the fact that they were able to do that and that defense still looked like, you know, made Oregon look like they don't belong on the same football field. To me, if you're a Georgia fan, you have to be absolutely happy with what you saw. Emily Kaplan, what did you see from the defending champs? Yeah, we need to talk more about Stetson Bennett because I'm very familiar as a Penn State alumna about the tenuous relationship that a 24-year-old quarterback usually has with his fan base. Mm. If they're around for six years, typically it means they're not good enough to leave and then we turn on them. But mm. this kid is the absolute opposite. He's peaking at the right time. I felt like the conversation last year was, oh, Georgia won in spite of Bennett. And then over the offseason, he was not getting any respect. I mean, he was 101 Heisman odds. Meanwhile, the kid that he literally beat out and transferred out of town to West Virginia was 50-1 to 1 odds. Mm. But in this game, in some of those highlights that you showed, he's so composed. It in the pocket, he looks really confident, and now people are start talking about him as having legitimate NFL prospects. So that's insane progress to me. And this kid um, is showing that they can win because of him as well. Frank Isola, your headline from Week One was it how Georgia looked offensively? 
Yeah, Emily, you're the best. Stetson Bennett, he could, he's going to stay there until he's 30. He's making about a million dollars a year in NIL, so he's doing all right for himself. But, I, it, you know, when you think about Georgia, they're coming off of winning a national championship, so it's the first time in 41 years they come in as the defending champs. All the players they lost to the NFL, like Harry mentioned. And then, of course, you have the idea you're in the SEC, the hangover, the whole thing. How good did they look? I mean, come on, man. That's like Alabama class when Alabama comes back from winning a national championship. But I want to focus on one other team, though. And I know they're probably not going to be in the mix, but how about Florida State going down and beating LSU? Now, they got a couple of, couple of breaks. Special teams had something to do with it, but that was a big-time performance, and their special teams came through right at the last second to win that game. Florida State, 2-0. Okay, it's been a long time. so Georgia and Florida State for you. One thing on Georgia, can we just say this for a second? They are the champions, the defending champions. You don't need to bring up Alabama every time you bring up Georgia. Georgia won it all last year. They earned – well, maybe, Emily, you didn't do that. My bad. Got a little carried away. Uh, George Sedano, <laughs> now to you. <laughs> Tony, I'm going to stay in the SEC. Those are all great answers that the panel has provided, but I'm going to go with the Florida Gators, who jumped from outside mm-hmm. of the top 25 to number 12 in the AP poll today, and specifically Anthony Richardson, okay? You're talking about a kid who last year barely saw any time, even though we did see glimpses of how good he was. He jumped in the Heisman race from a 50-to-1 shot to now cut that in mm-hmm. half to 25-to-1. I believe he's the fifth quarterback in those particular odds. And it just goes to show you that despite Florida being unranked, the cupboard was not as bare there as people thought. Mm. Anthony Richardson, revolution. Some of the highlights there already. You can see it. Put it in the package when we get to to November and December. (laughs) Refocus here now on Ohio State. Because I I know you all got the mutes from your other panel. And, Frank, you were the only one on the show Friday. But four panelists guaranteed it was going to be a half a hundred. So to come out like they did, only get 24 on the board, it was a bottled-up offense. Ryan Day said after the game, we needed a game like that. Mm -hmm, That's what coaches say after games like that. Frank, what did you see and what didn't you see from the Buckeyes? Well, also, when Ohio State played a big game against Michigan, all we talked about was their defense being unable to stop the run. I thought their defense came up with some big moments. Remember, for Notre Dame, and we mentioned this as well, that, that was a loss in theory, but they didn't really lose any ground because if they could run the table, they're going to have a very good chance of making it to the playoff. You're going on the road. You have a, you know, a first-year head coach, and to play like that, that was an impressive performance for a team that lost mm-hmm. a game. Okay. Ohio State, it's still Ohio State. I'm not going to go crazy over winning at home but not blowing George somebody Sedana. Out. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish are the fifth best team in the country, I believe, coming into that game. So I'm not surprised that they were in that particular game. Their head coach is a defensive mastermind, despite it being his first game. I know he coached as an interim coach in the bowl game. But this is a guy that, you know, he's had all offseason to prepare for this one juggernaut of a team. And they are a juggernaut. But he's certainly worthy. And this team is certainly worthy. This isn't, uh, you know your dad's Notre Dame team, and maybe your granddad's Notre Dame team when they were good enough to compete for championships. I think this team is headed in the right direction. So we were missing that side of the argument last week because it was a 17-point spread. Nobody thought they could even – and I heard it, half a hundred, Ohio State. They're putting it up, Emily Kaplan. 
Okay, I think that Frank was bang on here, things that I don't say often, but this was about the defense because for Ohio State, the big questions going into this yep. year was how are they going to adjust to this new defensive scheme? Exactly. Quarterback pressures were there. They limited them to 72 yards in the entire second half, and Notre Dame's final six possessions were all punts. And for me, this just showed that the Ohio State is Big Ten's to lose, especially because Michigan, the closest to them, is still having a quarterback competition. And can we just talk for a second about how ridiculous this is that Harbaugh says that each of his guys is going to get one start and then on McNamara's start he starts McCarthy in the second half and lets him outshine him like what is he even doing mm -hmm. so you don't think that was biblical in any way that what, what I do Harbaugh was doing no. uh and Harry Lyles Jr. to hear Ryan Day say we needed a game like that do you agree with that uh you know perhaps Ohio State always kind of starts slow during the year um, I, I think that with a team on paper is definitely one of the three best teams in the country. I don't know that you need a game like that because you should always look like one of the three best teams in the country. But to me, the big winners here are Notre Dame because you played one of the three best teams in the country really well. Like Frank said, if you win out, Ohio State wins out, you're going to be in the playoff discussion. And if we want to sprinkle some petty on this, if you're a Notre Dame fan, that's good news. But the better news is the way that Brian Kelly lost that game with LSU after going on a 99-yard drive only to have the game tying point after block. Oh. That's that's pretty good if you're a Notre Dame. All right, so you're, you're viewing it from that perspective. It was an ale in the family for Brian Kelly. <laughs> Two muff punts and the block field goal and, and the missed extra point at the end, uh, or block extra point. That was one of the big moves of the offseason. Lincoln Riley to USC, Mario Cristobal to Miami. Well, they both had scheduled routes and they delivered, so it wasn't the same thing. Uh, that Brian Kelly had. George, you were actually on the call for the Miami game. Love that. Um, what did you see specifically there first? Well, Tony, the time I spent with Mario Cristobal this past week was both for the game and for a feature that's going to air on game day in a couple weeks. And it was basically him kind of shouting down all the noise that over the years we've always heard, oh, the U is back. Is the U back? Is it going to be back? And he's like, look, enough of that stuff. You can't slogan your way to victories. You got to work hard. And Miami had become a little bit of a finesse team that was kind of living off its past, but not playing the way that those old guys did. And Mario Cristobal is a two-time champion at the University of Miami, was a coach, an assistant coach at the University of Miami. So if anyone understands what it takes to win there, it's going to be him, and he's instilling that into these particular guys. Now, with Lincoln Riley, I'm not surprised at all that they put up a 70-burger on, uh, on Rice. Now, the question will be, because a lot of his transfers came on offense, including Travis Dye, the running back who came from Oregon, who played for Cristobal last year, but defensively, can they hang defensively? Because Bryce is not necessarily going to test their defense the way some of these other teams in the Pac-12 can. Right. I mean, with both the Cristobal and Riley uh, first games, it's not just like, oh, you won by 70. Well, how come you didn't win by 80? You know, <laughs> Frank Isola, to you. And I sat here on Friday. I tried to tell you my surprise team or my team I think could be a wild card. Was USC, right? Spot, maybe in the playoffs would be USC. Lincoln Riley yesterday turned 39 years old. The day before he had an impressive debut. They have, they're so talented. They brought in a lot of transfers. And one thing about Miami, and George, you have to admit, it's the media and the fans that live in the past. Miami hasn't done anything in 20 years. You guys still talk like it's Michael Irvin. You Jerome guys. What do you mean, you they guys? Done anything. Who do you mean, you guys? I am. <laughs> Harry Lyles Jr. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think another thing I would be remiss, and I want to mention this, guys, 
the great start that we had to this college football weekend was the bringing back of the backyard brawl between Pitt and West Virginia. There's been a lot of talk about conference realignment. If we continue to go down this path, which we are, right, we're going to have USC playing teams like Rutgers, you lose great rivalries yeah. like that one. That's another thing that stuck out to me this weekend that I, I think I saw you on the sidelines. You told the story of the PA announcer getting thrown out of a game and then losing his job. Just tell that story one more time, please. So, yeah, and during, I believe it was the 1994 edition of the Backyard Brawl, Pitt and West Virginia obviously playing. Don Ireland, the public address announcer at the time, uh, made a couple of pre-planned announcements, one of which, if you have a tractor in the parking lot with the license plate E-I-E-I-O, you need to move <laughs> your vehicle. Uh, and so, yes, he had to resign, but later got his job oh, back, yeah. so I guess that was good news for Mr. Ireland. Love those stories. Uh, if you had one game to watch every... Uh, opening week, it has to be for me an Appalachian State game because they always play somebody big and they're always right there. The last three minutes of Appalachian State, North Carolina was vertigo inducing. NC got the win 63 61. Meanwhile, one other game I got to mention Iowa beat South Dakota State 7 3. Do any of you know how Iowa got to 7? Oh, two, safeties, two safeties and maybe. a field goal. Yes, George. Yes, Harry. So aliens coming down to earth. If they watched those two games, they would have said, those are two different sports, right? <laughs> we'll be back by ourselves. They play Ohio State. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guarantee Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, kiddos? I'm Clinton Yates of Around the Horn. Whenever I go to cover games or attend events in Los Angeles, I'm always keeping my eye out for the best-dressed person in the room. I saw Diego Luna at the Andor Red Carpet launch event, Star Wars, folks, and he looked head of state fresh. Now you can also be that person, too, whether you're sitting courtside, attending a fancy dinner, or going to a wedding. With a fully custom suit from Indochino, you'll walk into wedding season looking like a million bucks for way, way less. They start at just $4.99. With Indochino, you can design the suit of your dreams and fine-tune every detail, including lapels, linings, monograms, pocket flaps, etc. A tailored fit from home. Set up your measurement profile on Indochino's website and choose customizations without even leaving the house. Look your best this wedding season at the table or on the dance floor when you wear Indochino. Go to Indochino.com today and use code HORN to get 10% off any purchase of $3.99 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code HORN. Welcome back to Around the Horn, coming to you from the seaport, brought to you by Chase. Where are the American men, somebody asked? Francis Tiafo, stand up. Beating Rafa Nadal, biggest, most thrilling win of Tiafo's career. Does anybody know the last American Nadal lost to in a major? James Blake. Wow, Sedano's on everything. I still heard you there as well. Carlos Alcaraz continuing his 
emergence. Alcaraz, five sets over Silic. And tonight, Nikirios, after the win over Medvedev, now gets Hachinov. Who has impressed you most on the men's side, George? It's Francis Tiafo to me, and it's not really all that close. We saw Kyrgios come very far at Wimbledon, so this shouldn't be a surprise that he continues to play this well. With Tiafo, he had never even won a set against Nadal previously. He was so emotional after, he didn't even remember what he said to Nadal after congratulating him and thanking him for the match. And ultimately, he was just quicker, stronger, and faster. I know Nadal mentioned that he played poorly and Francis played better. Uh, but I just don't think that's enough credit for Francis. Even, and especially when you consider that Nadal had won 27 straight against Americans and 22 overall. Emily Kaplan. Yeah, this to me is all about Tiafo, and it's, you know, he's been coming up for a while, but sometimes when you're your own person on the scene, you have imposter syndrome, whether you realize it or not, and in these situations, you say, I'm so grateful for the opportunity, or, you know, you, you get respect, and what I heard from him was him, a player saying that I belong, because not only did he not remember what he said, he also said, I played unbelievable tennis, and he worked hard to be here, he owned that court, he owned that crowd, and he looked amazing. Great stuff, Emily. Harry Jr., yeah, for me, it's Tiafo as well, and it's because he really understood the moment. And, you know, he mentioned he was glad that his folks were there to see him, but he was glad to see them or see him there to knock off what he called one of the Mount Rushmore guys. Because in this era of tennis, the past two decades, if you're playing against Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, good luck. I mean, anytime you can get a win against one of these guys, it is a major accomplishment. And it showed after the match, both in his emotion and his words, that he understood how big that was. And it was just cool to watch. 2003, the last time Tony gave me a good score, the last time an American won a major, Andy Roddick. That is a long time ago, and now it really is open for Tiafo, who moves on the court the way a young Nidal did. Remember now, Zverev broken ankle isn't here. Djokovic, because of vaccination status, can't play. Medvedev got knocked, knocked out by Kyrgios. But Kyrgios, and I'm lucky enough, I'm going to be there tonight. The way that he's playing made it to the finals of Wimbledon. Be good to see those two match up at some point. I'm going to be lucky, or Kyrgios is going to be lucky that I'm there tonight. Or are you saying, Frank, I saw Wow, yeah, Kyrgios I and I saw in, in the way. same place oh, at the same wow. time. Wow. <laughs> Ububad, buy or sell two. NL East lead. Down to one now for New York. Mets at Pirates this week, then Miami later in the week. Atlanta at Oakland, then Seattle. Emily, any concern for New York here? They've had the lead all year. The swoon is not a swoon when you compare it to what the other team in New York's doing, but Atlanta and the way they're charging here. What's the buy? What's the sell? Of course there's concern for the Mets because they're starting to look old. But this to me is all about the Braves because since June 1st, they've been playing at a 116-win mm. pace. They're looking young. They're looking energetic. This to me is about the defending champs looking like defending champs. And you know what? The Mets can feel good because they're 9-7 and seven against Atlanta and they have a series at the end of September that could decide. Lyles. Yeah, I'm buying that this is the Braves' charge. The Mets should absolutely be worried. These are the World Series champions, and they are a lot better than they were last year. And Ronald Acuna, that knee is still really giving him fits. Ozzy Albies is supposed to be coming back soon. And they get the Mets three more times all at home. I think the Braves are looking really good. The way it's played out, that could be a tiebreaker for the division, Frank Isola. Does the division matter? How important is it? Should the Mets be worried? Uh 100% it's huge. I mean, here's a team, the Mets, have been in first place since April 12th. It's 150 days, and they have a history over the past 20 years of blowing leads in September. And Buck Showalter is a great manager. The playoff success, however, has not been there. George Sedano, is everything as dark and dreary for the Mets as this panel just made it out to see? 
Yeah, red alert for the Mets, Tony. 72% win percentage for the Braves. They're still charging moving forward. And they're going to have the one and two in the rookie of the year voting, I think, with Strider and Harris. I mean, Strider's been putting up numbers. He's got 12-1-1 games. And Harris has been fantastic at the plate. They are surging at the right time. I actually think the Mets are going to be in the rearview mirror. You're, you're telling me you don't want to go into the postseason with Max Scherzer and with Jacob DeGrom as your starters? That's something you're not interested in, I'm hearing. I'll take that. Uh, no, take I'm that. interested, but Max Scherzer also complained about a dead arm last year. Let's not forget about that. He's getting old. Buy or sell three. Aces storm. Game four tonight. Season on the line for Seattle. You all know Saturday's instant classic, which if it went the other way, if Sue Bird's three held up, that, then it would be Las Vegas facing elimination. Harry Lyles, what you buy, what you sell going into tonight? I'm buying that was probably the best WNBA playoff game that we've ever seen. Uh, I think for this game going forward, we're in for a treat. There's enough star power on both sides. In the last 68 seconds of that game, you got buckets from Aja Wilson, Chelsea Gray, Jackie Young, and Raquana Williams. As far as the storm goes, obviously you got Brianna Stewart, and Sue Bird is playing for her career. This is going to be must-watch television. Fine time. I, I got the storm. Frank Isola? I have the aces, and by the way, I mean, that that is a brutal loss if you're Seattle. But how about Becky Hammond? All the hype surrounding her when she was an assistant coach in San Antonio is making a ton of money. The WNBA draws up a great play late great play, for that basket. Right? She's having a terrific season. Talk about execution yep. down the stretch. Both teams in regulation. George Sedano. Uh, I got the aces in this one, Tony. Asia Wilson, 30-10 and 10 in back-to-back playoff games has never been done in WNBA history. And, and look, as much as I want Seattle to, to make this a real series again, I think they can, but I just think the aces are too I strong. Can. Yeah, this to me is all about Asia Wilson. Yes, Chelsea Gray has been absolutely unbelievable, but how poorly Asia played in game one and to rebound in the next two games the way she did. Already won Defensive Player of the Year. She could go for the sweep of regular season MVP and maybe finals MVP at this point. Mm-hmm. Such a small margin, though, between you know winning and losing on, on Saturday, and now the season's on the line. The season was on the line for Lyles, and Isola there couldn't come through. Kaplan Sedano, showdown, two minutes. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. News of the day out of Pittsburgh. Mitchell Trubisky, QB1 and captain. Actually, it was unofficial yesterday, but it's officially official today. Yesterday, on the depth chart... Kenny Pickett was QB3. Mike Tomlin today said that was a clerical error. Now it's QB2 for Pickett. 
apparently it was a copy and paste mistake. Pittsburgh starts at Cincinnati. Woo! George, where do you come down on the decision here? Uh, I wish Pickett was starting, but the Steelers are old school, Tony. They want to make you earn it. Remember, Tommy Maddox started Ben Roethlisberger's rookie season. Emily? There was a clerical error. It was thinking that if you put Mason Rudolph at number two, a trade market would develop. But when that didn't happen in 24 hours, they fixed the error. <laughs> Not buying that one. Not buying that one at all, Kathleen. We'll move on. Showdown two. Gary Sanchez this weekend. He hit home run against his old team. Went 473 feet. That's great. But maybe the highlight of his weekend and year uh, was that he did not get hit in the face here. Oh, this, I mean, this could have been a disaster. What happened here, Emily Kaplan? Who's to blame? Yeah, so you can nearly get decapitated by a teammate and blame him only if you're going to hit a home run like that the next night against your former team. I don't make up the rules. That's just what they are. George Sedano? Tony, keep your head on a swivel. The man has a foot in the on-deck circle. you got to watch where you're going. That's on Sanchez, right? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> With the young kids, we do a pinata at everybody's birthday party. I'm sure you guys do, too. This is the nightmare scenario, and it's always <laughs> millimeters away from disaster. FaceTime George Sedano. Thank you, Tony. You have inspired me because of your kindness that you show and the empathy you show on the internet that my radio show has started a Twitter community called the Sedano and Cap Circle of Trust. And there's only one rule. Don't be a jerk. Be cool. So come join the Sedano and Cap Circle of Trust on Twitter. I'm out. What did you say, Frank? What did you? I'm out. <laughs> well, we don't want you. That's for Emily's sure. Emily's definitely out. Win De- number 28.5 in 100 appearances for Dano. Great win percentage. What's that about?